Hey everyone, it's Marco here. I'm uh, with my co-producer, Ariel Richards. Ari, it's the last episode of the first season. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling powerful. Uh, yeah, just really excited too. Oh wait, no, I shouldn't say that. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit sad. Yeah, I'm sad too. This has been lots of fun and it felt like it was going to go forever nine weeks ago. And now we're on the last day, really. Sure do grow up fast, don't they, Marco? Oh man, those kids. Yeah, I mean, amazing effort by us. You know, I'd like to give you a pat on the back for all your hard work you've done. Um, And all of our reporters who've managed to produce this stellar, high-quality podcast while living in lockdown in Melbourne. Yeah, it really has been something to see. Uh, We've really tried to make the most out of our situations, and I'm so proud of everybody. I'm a real proud daddy. And you probably can't tell from the absolute premium quality of the episodes but obviously we've all been recording these from our bedrooms in fact we are recording this interview over zoom right now Um, i'm going to play you a bit of the audio quality as through zoom which you can see is pretty terrible doesn't that sound tacky my god (laughs) talk about low production quality but then when you use the amazing technology of tape syncing it sounds a lot better yeah, tape syncing. It sounds like one of those things you hear it and you're like, God, it must be an industry thing. But it's really just uh, having someone record off their phone while you speak to them. But uh, actually, no, for our purposes, <laughs> it's a super techie journalism craft that we've honed. Exactly. Exactly. And look, Zoom Zoom isn't perfect. We wish we could be here in the studio recording together. One of the things I've liked about Zoom, though, is it's opened up avenues to speak to people that you wouldn't otherwise speak to. You know, I've spoken to people overseas about uh, Australian issues um, that I wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to if everyone wasn't, you know, sitting in their bedroom behind a video conference. A hundred percent. And it's almost become like an industry standard. So if you can't get the real person on the phone to you, like as it is, like Zoom is perfectly acceptable and it really does work great. But with new technology. Yeah, comes some comes some difficulties. I mean, I think it's very fitting that the subject of our last episode is Zoom itself. In fact, something called Zoom bombing. Yeah, it's probably the most 2020 as it gets trends-wise and buzzwords-wise. I mean, it's one of those things that it's certainly an issue as you as you'll learn from this episode, but I think it's also a nice little story about how we try, we've tried to maintain the normal things about our lives during this pandemic. Uh, as you'll see, at the end of the day, it really is just teenage boys being teenage boys when they've lost uh, the classroom in which to perform. You know what they say, you can take the teenage boy out of the classroom, but... but... <laughs> no, no, I don't know what they say, actually, Ari. <laughs> you can take the teenage boy out of the classroom, but you can't take the classroom out. Okay, out of no, the teenage can, boy. Yeah, I can see how that was flawed, inherently flawed. I'm, I apologize. This episode is brought to you by reporters Dom Hennequin and Patrick Hargreaves called OK Zuma. I hope you all enjoy this podcast, this episode. It's super duper fun and just a really nice, Um, satisfying end to season one for me at least what about you Marco 
yeah, I think it's a very fitting end to this season. Uh, it's fun. It's got it's got a nice sort of lesson there, and it, I think it really captures the ethos of this podcast and also the ethos of this terrible 2020 year. Uh, so enjoy. Have fun. Dom. Patrick. Do you remember the first lockdown? I do. You know, when schools basically had to move all of their classes online. Yeah, really quickly as well. Yeah, and doing it quickly brought lots of different challenges. Students and teachers had to learn all this new software. And the teachers had to deal with lots of different teething problems and adapt to a completely different learning environment. And for some of them, inside three days. Guys, um, let's keep uh, keep the scene to around about five minutes, five six minutes or so, and great. I spoke to drama teacher Jonathan White, and he said that Zoom actually offered different ways for kids to be creative. If they're doing a scene that's set in, you know, of like a, a Paris, like they're in Paris. Okay, change my background and look, I'm at, I'm in front of the Eiffel Tower. Whoa, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it was kind of fun, but remote learning had lots of different quirks. Um, let's do your line here. Let me hear mum in the next room. Olivia, dinner's ready. Little brother's running into the room and saying, come get your food or come and take the rubbish out or something like that. Yeah, that would be a bit disruptive. And if it wasn't family members, it was pets running across the screen, just grabbing everyone's attention. I, I think on average during a day, I would see at least three pets a day um, appear in my classes online. Some teachers enjoyed the transition. How are we all on this sunny Friday afternoon? Good. Yeah, you good, Daniel? Good, thanks, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Alan. I spoke to Amy Bryant, who yes. was doing a teaching placement at one of Melbourne's private Catholic schools, and she's had quite an unusual experience. I'm currently observing online drama classes, online media classes, and online humanities classes, and I essentially jump from one video call to the next. Amy said that the biggest problem with the change to online learning wasn't the disruptions, it was the lack of engagement. 95% of students turn their videos off when you're on Zoom calls, that you're basically speaking to a bunch of blank screens. You could potentially teach a whole class of faceless tiles, think you've done a great job, and turns out only one kid was listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any questions? Silence. And Amy said one of the biggest problems was not with kids participating in the class. It was just that a lot of them wouldn't log on. A kid that wants to miss school in normal circumstances has to actually pitch to their parents that they want to stay home for the day. Whereas a student that wants to miss school in the online environment can just not log onto the call. Gosh, do you remember pitching for a day off of school? Yeah, I, I remember trying to pitch to my mother that I was sick. So she took me to three different doctors and I wasn't sick. <laughs> I couldn't possibly be, so I had to go to school. She never believed me again. So we just stopped playing that cat and mouse game. So aside from disengagement though, are kids being disruptive in the class? Surprisingly, for a private Catholic school in Melbourne, she said the kids had actually been pretty respectful, except for one incident. I was in one class where the teacher was doing a traditional sort of PowerPoint type teaching session and her, um, her microphone kept mysteriously going on mute. So there was a student or perhaps students in the class that were deliberately muting her voice every couple of minutes. And she was just getting increasingly frustrated, but you, you can't figure out who it is. There's no way of finding out who's muting the teacher. 
<laughs> that's pretty cheeky, but pretty tame in comparison to the story I heard from a teacher I spoke to. Her name's Heather, and uh, we can't use her real name in the podcast because of privacy reasons for the school and the students, but she actually dealt with um, a slightly more serious issue at her school. So in the first lockdown, teachers had very little time to make the switch to remote learning. They had like a week or something. And what ended up happening was that all of these different schools made quick decisions about what programs they were going to use. And Heather's school left it up to the teachers. Majority of teachers use Zoom just because it seemed the easiest. Well, that makes sense. It's what my work is. It's a very easy platform to just pick up and go. Yeah, exactly. And it was becoming super popular as well. If you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, Zoom's stock, and Zoom was still a relatively new company, Zoom stock just absolutely skyrocketed because everyone from teachers to businesses to friends trying to catch up together, we're all locked down and we're all looking for a simple solution. So how did they use Zoom in the beginning? Well, all of the classes were using Zoom. And what's interesting was the teachers were sharing the meeting links with all of the students just before the classes started. We'd send a link to our kids, put the link up on the stream and kids would click on that easily and be able to access Zoom easily. Pretty easy, right? Yeah, a little too easy, don't you think? Yeah, maybe. So it seems they were using Zoom because it was the easiest platform for the teachers to learn and understand. Like, you know, you know, kids know how to use the internet pretty well. Well, exactly. And so, of course, it didn't take very long for kids to start playing around with things, especially because it doesn't sound like there were many restrictions on the settings for the kids or attendees. But at the start, it was mostly kids using wrong, inappropriate names. So some examples of inappropriate names were, you know, suck my dick. I mean, come on, you can do a little bit better than suck my dick. This is an opportunity for comedy gold here. Yeah, like there's so many better names that you could come up with that were much funnier than that. Like, I don't know, Pablo Esquibra. <laughs> yeah. Remember on The Simpsons when, you know, like Bart and Lisa would call up Mo and have some coded message that they'd try to get him to say out loud, like... Uh, Amanda Hug and Kiss. There's a plethora of great names that could have been used other than just suck my dick. I agree, but at the same time, I wouldn't underestimate these kids because what they started to do next, well, it got a bit more sophisticated. Kids worked out that um, like we have class lists. We know who's coming into our Zoom classes. And so the kids in our class would send the link to other students who would change their name to the names of students in the class. So the teacher would think that, oh, yeah, that's, that's Dom coming in. So all of a sudden, these kids are going from calling themselves suck my dick to calling themselves the names of other students in the class. Kids learn fast. They sure do. And what they're doing with these names is that they're getting external people to come in to the meeting and prank the class under the names of other students. And this is called Zoom bombing. Zoom bombing. Zoom bombing. Have you heard of Zoom bombing, Patrick? Yeah, it's basically when you join a meeting and it's just, you know, juvenile humour designed to just disrupt. That's right. So all of a sudden, Heather's school is being confronted with Zoom bombers attacking a few particular classes and targeting some specific teachers again and again. Uh, well, it started off, from what I am aware of, 
with images, so images of naked men and women. Then they started sharing pornographic videos. A lot of the time as they were playing these videos, they were also in the background saying inappropriate things like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck you N-word, what's up bitch, all this kind of stuff. Right, so these kids are completely different from Amy's or Jonathan's kids. Those kids were, you know, muting the teacher or maybe having a pet walk across the screen, you know, something cute. Where these little devils are sharing videos of people just completely raw dogging it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this is the thing with Zoom bombing. It's like, imagine if you were in a physical situation where that was happening and someone just came in, kicked down the door of your class and wheeled in a couple of people on a trolley raw dogging it, as you say. <laughs> That's exactly what is kind of happening here. And as you can imagine, for some of the teachers, it was pretty startling. And now Heather's one of the leaders of the school. So? It was my responsibility to sort of investigate, to find out who it was. So she's become the detective, more or less. She's, she's on the hunt for these people. Oh, she's on the hunt. It basically turns into an episode of Law & Order. So the first thing that she realises as she's going through the evidence that she's collected is that the kids that were Zoom bombing, the names that they were using, they were the names of other kids in the class. So it wasn't going to be those kids. Oh, so the, the kids were stealing other kids' identities to show the porn? Yeah. Yeah, so initially we thought that the students doing it were those people's names, but then after speaking to those students, they told us, oh no, that wasn't me, I was actually also in the class, there was two of me. But the field is wide open as to the real identities of these Zoom bombers. So she continues trawling through the evidence. I had dates, I had notes, I had links, I had images. I'm imagining her at a police station, you know, she's got like a wall set up of different suspects and different roads to go down, every class that they've been in, where their locker is normally at school, who they're friends with. She's desperately trying to figure out their trail. She's getting closer. So I spoke to a few students about it and asked them who they thought it was. And then I spoke to some students who had been named. Heather's basically the Olivia Benson of the local high school. I didn't ask them directly, is it you? I sort of just tried to or reword some questions to try and trip them up a little bit, but they were very smooth. Yeah, it sounds like she's the Olivia Benson and the iced tea. Witnesses are like children. They respond to bribes and threats. She's playing good cop, bad cop. Whatever she needs to do to find the killer, to find the Zoom bomber. We suspected these kids, but didn't have enough evidence to sort of nail them. Didn't have enough evidence to nail them. Listen to the way she's talking here. I imagine she's at this stage of the investigation. Her marriage is starting to fall apart. She's crawling into bed. Her husband says, Heather, I married you, not your career. <laughs> I'm sorry, crime doesn't stop. <laughs> yes. So to finally start narrowing this down, to bring this case to a close and really, as she said, nail these kids, she and one of the teachers who was targeted by these kids organise, well, a sting. Well, it was, it was 
going to be maybe one or two of maybe five students in her class. And so she organized a Zoom for the class, but only sent it to these five students. Are you getting this? It's like a honey trap. This teacher's made it seem like it's gonna be a normal class. She sent the link to this group of suspects with the expectation that they will send it to their Zoom bomber friends. And did they fall for it? They sure did. And so those students came in plus two or three extras with the names of kids that she hadn't sent the link to. Oh, it's on. The intruders started screen sharing some videos and as she was screen sharing the videos, us leaders turned our cameras on. You're under arrest for the murder of Bobby Holland. Put your hands on top of your head. Well, I did. Now! And she stopped the video. And, <laughs> and then so we were sitting there, the intruders bolted, a couple of other students bolted, and then they were left with two. Hold it right there. Looks like the spider got himself a couple of flies. Um, one who was terrified because it wasn't him and he's like oh my god I don't know what happened and um, his dad was actually behind him and he sent the dad sent us an email saying that wasn't my son the other kid who was left behind who did stay back behind he was we spoke to him and tried to get some information out of him and he was quite immature about it he was laughing what is the charge eating a meal a succulent Chinese meal he thought it was quite funny and it turned out it was this kid I'm under what Eventually, they got this kid to admit it, and the parents of this kid made him apologize to the school. They also managed to identify the kids from another school that this kid was working with. They basically were like exchanging Zoom bombing services. He would Zoom bomb their school, they would Zoom bomb his. For the other kids, they let their school deal with them, and they've moved on now. And they're a Victorian school, so during the second lockdown, they've been back in a situation where they've been needing to remote learn again. And they've obviously changed something a bit more high-tech, such as Microsoft Teams or something. Well, Patrick, that's the kicker, because... Still using Zoom, but it is more secure now. They're still using Zoom. It reminds me of the George Bush quote, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, well, fooled man can't get fooled again. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't sound like anything as bad has happened this time around. People are using passwords for meetings and things are meant to be a little bit more secure on Zoom as a platform. But stuff is still happening to other Zoom users around the world. And some of the Zoom bombing has gotten kind of worse. Yeah, well, I, I guess what I've learned for this, Dom, is that Zoom bombing was mainly 14-year-old kids, wasn't it? It was mainly kids doing it to disrupt their classmates' class. And you can put all the security protocols you want on it, but no matter if it's in the classroom, not Zoom or whatever... Kids are going to find a way to disrupt and annoy. Life just finds a way. It sure does, Patrick. As they say in Jurassic Park, life does find a way. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks to our entrepreneurial reporters, Dom Hennequin and Patrick Hargreaves for that delightful story. And a big thanks to the rest of this season's reporters, Caitlin Cassidy, Carissa Bosanakis, Chris Moyer, Danielle Collis, Elsie Lange, Jake Pike, Katie Johnson, Madeline Spencer, Maeve Bannister, 
Nicholas Zimboulos, Oliver Lees, Rosa Ritchie, Sam Mills, Sophie Rayner, Steph Barker, and Johanna Belinda. As always, thanks to our majestic executive producer, Janak Rogers, for all of his work throughout this season. Totally. Thanks so much, Janak. We're on the social medias at KickerPod on Twitter and the Kicker.pod on Instagram. Follow us to stay in touch, uh, especially about bonus episodes and any potential season two. We'd be taking a well-deserved break, I'd say. Very well-deserved. But there's plenty more to come, so make sure you stay in touch. Thanks again for listening. We'll hopefully see you in the next one. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. The Kicker Pod has been supported by the Student Doll. Our theme music is by Jack Jevons. This podcast was recorded, mixed, produced, and reported on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded.